be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, and we're jumping into the middle of what Paul has been saying. Paul's been talking about how Jesus' death changes our relationship with God so that we can know him and live with him, and now Paul is talking about how Jesus' death changes our relationships with each other. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Consequently, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Lizzie and I, uh, we have just moved house in February. Oy! I thought there'd be a bit of excitement. We just moved house. Thanks. Thanks. And it's taken a few months, but finally it feels like home. Here's why. First, like we labeled all our jars. Seems like a small thing, but man, bringing order into chaos. Wow. Big deal. Secondly, our sofas arrived on Monday. After 10 weeks of waiting, we finally have sofas to sit on. Yes. But most importantly, we've spilt some curry on the floor and on the walls, uh, probably on the ceiling too. So now it definitely is our home, right? We put some of our own stains on there. <laughs> That's our home. And it's true. Um, there's no place like home, is there? This isn't always true, but home should be a place where we feel relaxed, where we feel safe, where we want to be, where we belong. And what we're going to see from Ephesians 2 is that the church is God's house and it's our home. Because Ephesians 2, as Katie said, is an amazing part of the Bible. It says how Jesus died on the cross. Well, he brings us into God's family so we can know him and love him. That's pretty cool. And then, look what it also says in verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Like Jesus dying on the cross brings us together into one family. And also, members of his household. See, the church is God's house. It's our home. What Jesus does... He brings us, this is us, by the way. He brings us into God's home. Yay! So so we have a home. So his home is our home. See, Christians, we have a home, and our home is here with God's people, the church. This is the place we belong more than any other place in the entire world. This should be our safe place, our relaxed place, the place we want to be. The church is God's house. It is our home. But it doesn't always feel like home, does it, sometimes? Like coming here, it doesn't always feel really easy and relaxed and safe. We might think, oh, I don't really fit in at Rooted or KO or, or, oh, I don't belong at church. And that's really sad when people... When people feel on the outside, that's really, really sad. And actually, it's on all of us to help people belong. 
So, so if you're on the inside, like Mr. Lion here, what can you do to help those on the outside come in? Like, like take climbers for an example. If you're at climbers and a new person turns up, what, what do you do? Do you ignore them and carry on playing with your toys and talking to your friends and hanging out with them? Or do you go up to them and say, hey, come and join our game. Come and play with us. Actually, what tracks the climbers goes through the whole church. Like, let's invite people to our games and play with us. If we're on the inside, what are we doing to welcome others in? But also, if you're on the outside, like Mr. Teddy Bear, what are you doing to to kind of come in? Are you involved in in small groups? Are you coming to church every week that your job allows you to? Are you on the outside, like criticizing them in there? Or are you on the inside, like serving and praying for us? See, the church is God's house. It's our home. But homes back in Jesus' day, they looked a bit different to our Duplo house here. They looked a bit different to our houses. They looked a little bit like that. But also, homes in Jesus' day, they, they acted a bit different to our homes too. Here's what, um, our homes are kind of like private sanctuaries of peace, aren't they? They're our place. About us, they're looking inward. The doors are closed. Here's what Harriet Connor said about Bible homes. She said, in Bible times, a family was much more than a private haven of affection. The home was where people educated uh, uh, children, cared for the sick, served customers and the community, and helped the poor. The home reached out to the wider society. So belonging to the household of God means people of all generations working shoulder to shoulder in the family business of sharing the love of Jesus in word and deed. Isn't that cool? That's the kind of house that God wants us to be. Because their homes looked outwards. They were packed full of people coming in and going out. And not just family, like guests would go in and come out. Everybody was welcome. Everyone was home. They had open doors. The church is God's house and the doors should be open. And I think this challenges us as a church, but also us in our homes as well, doesn't it? So let's think about our homes first, then we'll go on to church. Um, in Hebrews 13, it's a big sermon, and one of the last things that, that, that the person preaching this sermon says is, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. One of the last things he said is, don't forget hospitality. Now that's a big Bible word. And it basically means showing the same love that God's shown us. So you remember Jesus, he brings us into God's home. That's what hospitality is. Bringing others into our homes. The best example of this that I can think of is what I call fridge rights. Now, an American friend of mine told me about fridge rights. Here's how fridge rights works. It means someone can walk into your house, who you don't know very well, and they feel so at home, so comfortable, that they can walk up to your fridge, open it, get a can of Diet Coke, get a tube of squeezy cheese, America, right, and not ask for it. Whoa. They have full access to your fridge. Now, now, hands up. Who finds that a little bit scary? Be honest. Yeah, the first time I heard it, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? But, but that's what I think our homes should be like. That people who come in have 
maybe not fridge rights, but the English equivalent, kettle rights. Like they can come in and like turn on the kettle themselves and make her drink themselves. So, so um, back before the pandemic, Lizzie and I, we used to have KO, our 14s to 18s, come around every Wednesday night. And, and we made sure they knew that our home was their home. So when 7 o'clock hit on Wednesday, they didn't knock on the door or ring the doorbell like strangers. They walked in like family. When Ko were thirsty, they didn't like put their hand up and say, oh, please, sir, can I have a drink? They went to the kitchen, turned the kettle on themselves without asking. We loved it, how, how at home, how comfortable they felt. And we really hope our new home is like that too. So if you come to our new home, you've got fridge rights, you've got kettle rights, just, just take what you want. Like, come on, I'm genuinely serious. Like, we should have open doors in our homes where people feel like they belong. And remember, look at Hebrews 13 again. It says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Strangers is that same word from Ephesians 2, the paraoikoi, as Doc Martin told us. It's people who are outside, away from the home. And according to that verse, they should be in our homes. How does that challenge you? Especially with, with tomorrow, with restrictions easing up. Who are going to be the first people you invite to your house? Could it be? Could it be someone who's never been in before? Like a new kid at school that you haven't, haven't spoken too much. Could you invite them over to have a little play date? Or, or um, what about that neighbor down the road you've got to know on the, the, the street WhatsApp? Could you get them over? Or someone in church you haven't seen for a year and a half? Why not get them into your house? Our home should be full of all kinds of people. And... What happens in the church, or in the house, sorry, reflects what happens in the church. The church is God's house and the doors should be wide open. I wonder if ours feels a bit closed sometimes. That people kind of come in here and feel ignored or a little bit awkward. Or told off for sitting in certain seats or told off for not sitting in certain seats. Or they come to, 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 our, to our groups like Rooted or, 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 or Explorers and, and feel shunned. and ign- That's really sad. All of us should make church a really warm, welcoming place. And there's three simple things to do. Smiling, talking, and waving. Smiling, it's hard to do in a mask, but outside. Big smiles, being warm and friendly. Waving, saying hello, and talking, getting to know someone. That is so simple, but makes such a big difference. And if the church is like a house, like God's house then there should be strangers coming in here too. Like, our church should feel so home for everyone who walks in here. It's a place we'd want to bring our friends and family to, to meet other Christians who are so friendly and so loving and so kind. The church is God's house. The doors are wide open. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Fantastic. Thank you, Katie. Now, I bought a book for us to read together. It's called The Gruffalo, Who Lives Here? Now, who wants to have a go at this? 
Right, see you later. Who wants to have a go at this? Yes! I'm really excited. It's really simple. I'm going to show you a house. You've got to say who lives in that house. Okay? So that it will be on the screen as well if you can't see it. It's The first one is here. Who lives in an underground house? Yeah. <gasps> We've heard it's a fox. Yes. Okay, one more, one more, one more. Let's go right to the end of the book. Now, if you're buying this book, this is a spoiler. So are you ready? And who lives in the deep, dark wood? Yeah, right at the back. Yeah, the Gruffalo. Wow, I love these kind of books. So fun. Um, but I thought, I thought we'd do a BH version of this. Okay? So, who lives in the church? Well, before you guess, it's not Phil and Anna. Anna, and Anna. This isn't their house. It's not Alex, like our voluntary staff worker stuffed in a cupboard somewhere. Um, it's not Lizzie and me. We don't live here. This is our new house. Nor is that. No. It was in our reading. Did you hear it? Well, let's have a little look, shall we? Here it is. Ephesians 2, verse 22. It says, In him you two are, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So who lives in the church, in the people of God, Anyone hear it? Who was it? Yeah, God lives here. Wow. God lives here. Just like that song we sung said, didn't it? In the Old Testament, and it was said that God's home, God's dwelling place, was a fancy tent called the tabernacle. And then it became a fancy building called the temple. But this is saying that it's no longer in a fancy building, but in the ordinary people of God. Like, the church is God's house. It's his home. We are God's home. Whoa. Whoa. That's amazing. God's at home in his gathered people. Now, now, it's true that every Christian is a Holy Spirit house. That's kind of the language we use at a youth group. Um, but it's also true that as a church together, we are a Holy Spirit house. We are God's home here on earth. We are where he lives, where he, where he moves, where he, he's among us right now. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that wonderful news? The church is God's house. It's his home. It means, right, the church is super special and so different from any other group or club or gathering. It's not like your scouts group or, or, or um, your football group or your singing group. Church is so different because well, this is where God lives. It makes church so special and it makes it the best place we can be, right? Wow. The church is God's house. It's his home. One famous uh, man said this. What an incredible thought. If you want to find God in the world, the Bible says you are to look in an ordinary gathering of Christian believers in the local church. So, So get this. We don't need a telescope to look in the stars and see if God's up there. We don't need to go to the palaces of the world and see if God's in the fancy places there. We just need to go to the ragtag gathering of God's people. Right here. Because we are God's home on earth. Isn't that amazing? Actually, let's say that together because that's really cool. Let's say together, we are God's home on earth, okay? Are we ready? We are God's home on earth. I'm going to take a leaf out of Doc Martin's book. We can do better. Are you ready? 
We are God's home on earth. Brilliant. And actually, actually, that means when we sing songs like, our God is a great big God, or when we talk about God being up there or the big man upstairs, yes, that's kind of right. But we could change that. We could say like, our God is a great big God because he's here in his gathered people. We could say the big man in here because he's with his gathered people. Isn't that cool? The church is God's house. It's his home. And I mean, what would change if we saw church like this? My word. We would be longing to be here, like counting down the days till Sunday, going, yes, together with God's people, can't we? And by the way, by the way, just because we don't feel this is true doesn't make it any less true. And that's a really good guide for life. Our feelings are not a great guide in in going through this world. Just because we don't feel it, it doesn't make it any less true. The church is God's house. It's his home. And so, isn't it brilliant that the restrictions have allowed us to have more people in the building, right? Isn't it sensational that, that like our kids and youth groups can come back and meet in the church to be together in God's living room together? Isn't that awesome? I think it's cool anyway. I'm excited by it. The church is God's house. It's his home. What a place to be. Um, if you know me, you'll know that I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I, 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 and that's bad news in lots of different ways. But one way that's bad news is when I'm building Lego or Duplo or big plastic things. Because when I'm building these things, I look at it and... It's just not good enough. Uh, It always needs improving. Not blue there. We need green. Like I'm one of those people who always tinker, tinker, tinker. Change, change, change. Make it bigger. Make it better. Anyone else like that? Anyone else join me in the tinker club? (laughs) Well, did you see that God's like that too? Have a look at Ephesians 2, verse 22. Look what it says. Um, In him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church is God's house being improved. There's building work going on right here, right now. And no, no, don't look there. It's not the scaffolding. It's not the windows. There's building work going on in us as God's people. Perfect timing, by the way, scaffolding people. Thank you, whoever organized that. Perfect. We are God's, church, God's house being improved. It's like this. God is holy, which means he's kind of set apart. He's dazzlingly perfect. And a perfect holy God, well, he needs a, a perfect place to dwell, right? That's why in the Old Testament, um, in Exodus 35 through 40, the tabernacle instructions were so detailed and, and specific. That's why the temple in 1 Kings was so specific again, because God needs a holy, perfect place to live. No offense, but looking around here, you may think we're not quite perfect. And that's true. We're not perfect yet. Jesus is on the way of making us perfect. And when God looks at us, he sees his perfect, beautiful son. And we will be perfect when Christ comes back. We'll be that perfect building. But we're not perfect yet. There's building work going on here. We're being built. Like God is refurbishing, renovating, changing things to make us more holy, to make us more beautiful. In fact, here's a few things that he's doing here in the church, which is really cool. 
One, God's changing us so we show his love to the world even better. Two, he's changing us so we welcome strangers even more warmly. Three, he's uniting us together even more closely. Four, he's helping us hold on to the truth even tighter. Five, he's changing us so when you walk through those doors, you get a foretaste of glory that is even sweeter. That's the work God's doing here. Wow. I want to be here to be part of that work, right? here's what C.S. Lewis said. And this is an amazing quote that he said. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in uh, to rebuild that house. And at first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. But he starts knocking the house about in a way that does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? He's building quite a a different house from the one you thought of. You thought he was making you into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in himself. And that's what God's doing in each one of us, but also what God's doing in us as a church family. Isn't that so exciting? The church is God's house being improved. So two things I think that means for us. One... Don't be surprised if church isn't perfect. (laughs) Don't be surprised. It's like we're living with building work. And if you've had building work done in your house, you'll know dust gets everywhere. Where does the dust come from? I don't know. But dust is everywhere. You have to live live out of a microwave for so long. It's a bit frustrating. can be quite difficult sometimes. There's building work here. So things won't be perfect. It will be quite difficult sometimes and, and quite hard other times. So have lots of patience, lots of grace. We're being made perfect. And we will be completed when Christ comes back. But we're on the way now. But also, I think that means that, well, it's good for us to get involved in that building work too. It's like the difference between your home home and your holiday home, right? In your holiday home, if you walk in and there's like um, uh, one of those cupboard doors that's falling off its hinges, you don't care. You're like, I'm here for a week. Away, let's party, holiday time. But if that's your home home, Oh my, the toolkit is coming out. You're on your hands and knees fixing that straight away because you care about your home. And that's where you live. And remember, the church is God's house. It's our home. Jesus, he brings us into God's house so we can call it home. So actually, let's all get involved in making this house more beautiful, more brilliant, more holy. Let's get involved in the work that God's doing right here. Because this is our home home. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that the church is your house. It's our home. It's your home. You're improving it. Oh, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that Jesus is the one who brings us into your home. So we have a place where we belong Oh, God, we praise you. Help us to see a church like this and help us to get involved in making it even better for your glory. Amen.